Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we are live, but we got to let it breathe just for a second. Zach's got to build up a good head of steam to blow that fire that's going to be coming out of his nostrils. All right, hold on one second here. We got to bring on Facebook, make sure the whole fam damnly's together, and we are good. Welcome in, everybody, to the final gut reaction episode of this very uh, tumultuous Denver Broncos season, the Huddle Up Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him, you love him, my fellow football priest. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, the Broncos snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. You've been waiting to see that big explosive uh, offensive play in the clutch. You get it, a 92-yard touchdown to Jerry Judy. You get four takeaways, and you can't close it out with a dub. It wasn't the Broncos that snatched it. It was Vic Fangio. And what he did today, his situational coaching or lack thereof, calling a timeout when the other team is scrambling and the play clock, play clock is running down in a do-or-die scenario in the final game of the season, you call a timeout? When you coach not to lose, you generally lose. And he is coached not to lose the entire season. Punting in the last game of the year with nothing on the line against a division rival on fourth and one, it's cowardice. It's spineless. And that is an earmark so far, along with good defense, of a Vic Fangio error with the Broncos. Coaching not to lose, coaching scared, playing scared, going into a shell. They had no business losing this game today. None. This was not on Drew Locke. This was not on the offense, not on Melvin Gordon, Jerry Judy. This was Fangio's defense melting down in crunch time twice and his, and the head coach melting down once again. Fangio's defense just has this penchant for not giving you that one last stop. You need the one stop. And how ironic is it, Zach, that you open up this campaign with a major coaching decision snafu in the season opener and you close one, you close it off with the same. And sna- again, I, I hate to use this phrase twice now in the first couple minutes, but snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, the win was there. The Raiders on that last timeout, they didn't know which way it was up. All right, who's on first, who's on second? We don't know what's going on. That was going to end up being pushed back five yards, but he goes ahead and throws them a lifeline. You ever seen Hot Tub Time Machine 2? All right, I'm not going to go too down, too far down this rabbit hole, but there's a Careful. scene where uh, one of the characters gets thrown a lifeline and he takes it. That's what Vic Fangio did, okay, for John Gruden. It just, man, just blows the mind. 
And one of the, you know, guys, miss me for right now for this next hour. Miss me with the tinfoil hats. The, he was not purposely throwing the game for a better draft pick. This is an issue that goes back to last year. His situational mismanagement, his clock mismanagement. You mentioned the season opener. We saw the timeout issues in the season opener when he took all three with him into the next game. This is a head coach who's out of his depth being a head coach. Great defensive mind. But even then, I understand the defense is injured. I understand it's the last game of the year and they're going through the motions. But, Chad, they've melted down multiple times this season, earlier this season. They melted down multiple times last year. Look at the Minnesota game, for example. That's one example. It's an issue that has been an ugly mark on the Vic Fangio era in Denver, chat, And we saw it two separate times in the second half today. This was not on locker the offense. This is Fangio and his defense failing, point blank. Tom El Greco, appreciate that super chat, my brother. He says, Fangio, boneheaded move again with timeouts. Brutal. Yeah, I mean, look, so many things in all the honesty to kind of be excited about in terms of how the offense played in this game. There's still quite a few bones that you could pick with certain things, but you know, you you get that massive explosive 92-yard touchdown, which as the CBS broadcast points out, the biggest or the, the longest play from scrimmage for the Denver Broncos in count them 12 years. Jerry Judy, and by the way, quick aside, so happy that that happened for Jerry Judy after the game that he yeah. had last week. And you know, it just went to really reinforce all of the talking points that we heard from his teammates and coaches all week long that hey man, all it's going to take is for him to catch the next one and then the next one after that, and then it's gone. You know, he made a few catches today that were a little dicey. Couple in traffic, took a took a pop, almost dropped the two-point conversion, but he looked it in, got it. And then the 92-yarder was the cherry on top for him. And that's Zach was the momentum, I think, the boost he needed, and Drew Locke for that matter, because we haven't seen big explosive plays like that from Locke and company. Like we've been talking about through this last quarter of the season, everything for the Denver Broncos offense is just so dearly purchased. It's so hard fought. It is hard scrabble. And they just got a tooth and nail fight for every freaking inch that they get. And they get the 92 yard on the defense can't close. And then Fangio makes it even harder and throws Gruden the lifeline. It's just literally mm. the perfect, the perfect punctuation to this season. Yeah, and the thing about Jerry Judy, like I tweeted, this is why, and you saw in the 92-yard touchdown, why he was the number 15 overall draft pick, what he brings to the table with the ball in his hands. And let me tell you guys something right now for the locked detractors out there. That is not a touchdown if that pass wasn't perfectly in stride, Chad. Judy did not have to break a sweat. He kept running with the ball, and that's why he housed it. Perfect pass, perfect catch. And the Judy, though, he still bobbled one, and it seems like, Chad, he's jumping when he doesn't have to. He's jumping when he doesn't really require that 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 effort, and I think that's contributing to his drop issues. But to get it down today, and the offense looked like, I dare I say, a well-oiled machine. Melvin Gordon running for, I believe he was just under 100 yards. You had Locke going over 300. You had Jerry Judy going over 100. They looked in control. They looked poised. They looked like they game-planned for the Raiders. The offense was not the issue today, but I am happy for Jerry Judy. Thank you for the super chat again, Tom. Appreciate that, my brother. He says that last pass to Judy from Locke uh, to Judy. Locke was composed in the pocket and in the end zone. A perfect strike, perfect posture, guys. Yes, indeed. And by the way, yes, Melvin Gordon came up seven yards shy of a hundred yards rushing and fourteen yards when it was all said and done, shy of a thousand yard season. So, you know, it's that's just uh, it's a it's the reason why they call it a game of inches and why Fangio's philosophy of a death by 
inches uh, really just is the pinnacle of irony right now. And there's so much more we got to get to. But first, gang, before we dive into the chat, to your questions, your your reactions, what's on your mind, I see all these phenomenal super chats that have stacked up. We're going to get to them, I promise you. But first, we got to handle some quick business, starting with the sponsor of tonight's live stream pod here, sportsbetting.com. Right now, as you know, gambling legal in the state of Colorado. You got to make your favorite sports watching a little bit more interesting, just like Fantasy football does for everybody in the United States. Around the world, sportsbetting.com can do the same. And here's why. You get the sharp odds. You get the low juice. You get hassle-free bonuses, which you get to roll over after only one time compared to some of the other outfits out there that make you have to bet the the rollover bonuses five to 30 times before you can access it or cash it out. Plus, you always get the 24-7 live customer support, real person in the United States. But the kicker is this. Right now, gang, After you make your first deposit, sportsbetting.com will match it up to $750. That's $750 in free bet credits. Plus, right now, you got the NBA rolling, getting started, and you get a $25 free bet credit from uh, for the NBA for betting on the NBA as well. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle. That is sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle. Capitalize on up to $750 and free bet credits and start 2021 off on the right foot. And Zach, what a great sponsor sportsbetting.com has been for our show. It's been so fun to partner with them throughout this yep. entire football season. And uh, we're, we're excited for 2021. Now we're going to dive right back in just a couple quick things. Follow the pod on Twitter at huddle up pod, the main account at mile high huddle. My partner Zach Kelberman at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen, the producer, John Cronenberg at John K M H H. Hey, Consider becoming a supporter on Facebook because we're rolling out some content specifically for our and only for our Facebook official supporters starting this week. It's going to be really fun. It's going to be really cool. You're not going to want to miss it. So if you're among our Facebook community and you want in on that, become a supporter. It's the big blue button when you go to our page on Facebook. Check out the merch store, gang, huddleuppod.com. Get your swag on if you're in a position to do so. And if you're not, That's all right. We're just happy to have you with us here. We do ask that each one of you do these three things. It's within your power to do them all. Subscribe, number one. Number two, like this video. Crucial on YouTube, crucial on Facebook. And then the last thing, the litmus test. If Zach and I are doing a good job for you, share this video out there. Help us continue to grow and reach new Broncos fans that are like-minded, just like us, out there. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent, 
Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach, let's uh, let's see what else we got here, Johnny Baby. Um, real quick here, shout out to everyone that's with us. We got a red hot stream right now, Zach. Uh, thousands of people in the chat. Tom El Greco. We got that one. We got yeah. that one. Um, let me see here. Josh Johnson. Here we go. Appreciate that super chat, Joshua. He says, fire Vic. Zero put up or shut up. Zero situational awareness. Dated back to last year, I can only think of maybe two times his defense made the stuff. One of them was the week 17 last year, right? You get the tip on, but you still didn't stop them. They got the score, but you got the tip pass. You could consider that a stop because it was the defense that did tip the pass, right? Where else has Fangio? I'm trying to I'm trying to cast my mind's eye back on this season. I'm trying to think of when the Broncos needed that stop in the fourth quarter, either with the game tied or protecting a lead, and they got it. Help me remember, because I'm sure there was at least one this year. Am I wrong? Yeah, I can't think of the top of my head, but uh, it's 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 a bad look, I think, for Fangio and Elway and the Broncos that this loss comes right after the endorsement that Elway gave Fangio all but guaranteeing his return for next season and also the Broncos' offensive coaching staff. In, in fact, most of the coaching staff, Elway intimated that they're coming back next year and they come out today and they lose like that. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm happy they secured a better draft pick. It was a win-win scenario today. It wasn't that they lost. It was how they lost. And to me, it's infuriating and unacceptable, regardless of the circumstance, Chad. To blow a game like that when you're at home, even with no fans, and you have that momentum and your offense and your young quarterback is finally playing good, and the entire offense is finally leading your team, and your defense, the pillar of the team, lets you down twice in the fourth quarter, That's and, and the coaching. It's the coaching more so than that, the situational coaching, the lack thereof. It's just unacceptable to me, regardless of anything else. All right, we've got a... Hot and heavy, hot and heavy chat. And while John's getting a couple things queued up, I'm going to grab Blue Ra, who jumped in to say, thank you for the super chat. Connect with us on Twitter. We would like to be able to shout you out and welcome. I'm just sad. Miss you guys. Glad you keep it honest. Hey, man, we miss you too. We miss you too. Even though we we don't know you, we do miss you in our hearts, okay? Connect with us on Twitter. Also, uh, John, you give me the thumbs up when you're ready. Uh, Kenneth jumping in with a super chat. Love you, buddy. Appreciate you. He says, think if we're in a win and you're think if we're in a win and you're in situation, we can't have players laying it on the line and then the head coach losing it with a boneheaded timeout. Fair point. I mean, when the when the players start, I mean, they were on the field, they could recognize the chaos that was happening on that two-point conversion where the Raiders were, you know, pull the tight end off and then put oh no, let's get him back on. Time's running out. They recognize that, and it's gonna be even more apparent upon the film review. This is why we were asked on the halftime stream, is this coaching staff the the right coaching staff to get the Broncos back to the playoffs next year? And you know what? I said, uh, definitely not Tom McMahon. I don't think about Pat Shermer, but I was a little confident in Fangio, at least as a defensive mind. Maybe not a head coach because he has a lot of growing up to do. If, If Locke gets that blame for his development or taking a step back this year, then Fangio should as well. I just don't know if he's a a proper head coach at the NFL level. It doesn't seem like from a week-to-week basis he can be consistent and be 
you know, the Andy Reid of the team or, or one of these, these veteran hard-nosed coaches who, or the Bill Belichick. I know it's a hard standard to live up to, but they always look for the tactical advantage. They are masters of situational coaching, and that helps the team win. When you have coaching, Chad, it's the ultimate tiebreaker. It's the ultimate wild card. And Fangio as the head coach, and even as a defensive mind now, it leaves a lot to be desired, at least my opinion. No doubt. We got Mr. Castillo. We got to grab it from the back end, paste it in because the chat is just moving too quick for us to keep up. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, I hate the Raiders, but that's the best loss of the season with next season uh, being more important and the draft pick seeding being more important than a win. That's the silver lining, right? Is not only the fact that you improved draft position by losing that game, but you kind of lost it in the best way possible, meaning that it wasn't Drew's fault. It wasn't Judy's fault. The offense really did a good job. They were pretty consistent through this whole game. Got over 30 points. Could have had more, right? Left several uh, scoring opportunities on the table. How many did McManus miss today? I mean, I'll take away the the two from 60-plus, and then he missed one from 56. So let's just say three points. At least there was three points for sure they left on the board. And then I guess that sack lock took at the, uh, took at the end that took him out of field goal range. Maybe you could say that's one um, blemish on his his week 17 resume. So maybe another three points. Still, it wasn't the offense. So if you're going to lose, at least you have a little bit of positivity on the offensive side going, all right, we saw some things today that we wanted to see. But to, Chad, all this did, at least for you and I, was confirm what we thought all along. That Locke is definitely, you know, just scraping his potential. He's just getting started as the would-be franchise quarterback, and the coaching continues to fail the Broncos on defense and on offense. And to me, it's so ironic that the Broncos season, as bad as this was, had it end on a special teams error. It, it is, it's a microcosm of the Tom McMahon error, of also the Vic Fangio error. And um, something needs to change. And I think McMahon's going to go. I think the rest of the coaches will stay. But I'm encouraged on the offensive side, especially for the quarterback. But for that defense, Chad, and the head coach, how could you come out of this thinking, I'm happy for 21, I'm excited for 21? It's hard to. I mean, for right only, now. the only thing on that, in that vein that I'll say is, I still, we talked a little bit about this during halftime, but I'm still very intrigued, maybe just this side of being excited to see what this team looks like when it's actually healthy. Eddie Vasquez jumping in. Good to see you, brother. He says, heart is broken, guys. Ugh, this was rough. It was rough, man. It's just a hard way to to lose a game. But, you know, hey, at least the Broncos improved their draft position, Zach. We got Mr. Ranch also jumping in with the Super. No direct comment on the Super, but we appreciate that, Mr. Ranch. I mean, I don't, I understand the better draft position. That's the one thing I'm kind of like justifying it to myself right now, but you got swept by the Raiders. I mean, you, you have to play for some pride as well. And to lose like that, again, it's better to get blown out, Chad, than to give up a fourth quarter lead when your young offense is playing well and to do it twice in a row and a two point conversion in traffic to a tight end again. When will the Broncos cover a tight end? I am waiting five seasons now. You don't put your best safety your true elite safety on Darren Waller, a top five tight end. You leave him on Elijah Holder and Will Parks coaching. All right, John, just an FYI before we grab Kenneth here. Uh, it goes from, from Kenneth. It goes uh, Mr. Ronch, which we grabbed. Josh, Mark, and Ridge Stimson in that order, followed by Zach Lee Butler, just FYI. Uh, Kenneth, appreciate you again, my friend. He says, why keep a head coach around who loses games with timeouts? That's a it's 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 a rhetorical question, but it's one that I think Zach can be answered by 
John Elway has, he's painted himself into a corner. Like he can't stand up there tomorrow during his end of season presser. And by the way, even though it's going to be a zoom call, this is going to be like must see TV. You got to, you guys got to be, I mean, we'll break it down on tomorrow night's show. Maybe we'll even play some clips, but this is going to be really interesting, but he can't stand up there tomorrow, Zach. And with a straight face say, I just fired Vic and I'm going to hire my, what is it? Fox Kubiak, VJ, Vic, my fifth head coach in the last 11 seasons, Mm. accountability does roll downhill. You know, the word that we won't say the naughty word, it does roll downhill, but it starts at my feet. doesn't start above me. Yeah. And he already, like I, I mentioned, he already committed to bringing back Fangio next season. And with that, a lot of the coaching staff, and it seems like Elway is overcompensating uh, with the C word and that it's continuity. He wants that more than anything else because he doesn't want to have turnover. He thinks that's the magic bullet, just like he thought the magic bullet last year, and correctly so, was a young quarterback, going away from a veteran quarterback or a band-aid quarterback. Elway, I've seen in his GM-ship, he's going through phases and fads, and he's trying to like different routes, and that's what you have to do to grow. But he wants continuity. That's why Fangio's coming back. I maybe would have waited till after the season to endorse him, or to say he's coming back because that's not a good look. Again, you support the guy, he comes out, and his defense and his coaching blows the game. But yeah, he's safe for next season. But after that, Chad, all bets are off. It's put up or shut up time for Vic Fangio in twenty one. I think a big part of Elway coming out and saying that early is because he knows that the the natives are going to be restless and and the pitchforks are out. <clears throat> Excuse me, and people are going to want blood. All right, people want accountability. But Josh jumping in 299. Thank you, Josh. He says, if we won, if we won off the worldly penalty, I would have LMAO'd. Yeah, it, it was a crazy game. I mean, my fingernails are kind of raw right now and I'll, I was all puckered up at the last final moments, but it was the, the refereeing. I don't know if you can hear me, Chad, but the refereeing was terrible in this game. It was very ticky tack. The officiating, I mean, the announcing was bad. It was just a weird type of game, a classic AFC West shootout, like we predicted in the pod before the game. I would have laughed too, but it didn't break the Broncos' way today. Christian jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. Hope everything's going okay. Talk about a guy being in enemy territory. Christian's in Las Vegas. He says, people need to understand that nothing will change until we get a new owner. How much truth do you think there is to that notion? I don't think the ownership was the – again, I'll say this. I don't think the lack of ownership is the reason why the Broncos didn't make the playoffs this year. Would it have helped in certain situations? Yes. They wouldn't have got screwed over to that extent in Week 12 by the NFL. But it came down to injuries, and the coaching and the quarterbacking this year is the reason why. If they those areas would have been improved or stabilized, it wouldn't have mattered if they didn't have a, a owner in place or they had the trust going on right now. That is not the reason for the on-field you know, issues. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children. 
changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. If, if all you're after right now is blood, if all you're looking for now is accountability, I understand why you're going straight to the ownership. But really, this was, this was coaching today and um, execution and injuries is what really ultimately cost the Broncos in the season finale. Mark, good to see you. Thank you for the super. He says, best way to lose. Drew plays good. A decimated defense, get some turnovers. Four, by the way. Unfortunately, they only got points on two of those turnovers. And special teams chokes away several points. Eighth or ninth pick for the win. Again, that's the silver lining. Yeah, top 10 pick. And say it with me, guys. Say his name with me. Micah Parsons. He is going to look so good in orange and blue next year. I just hope the Broncos have a chance. You saw it today. They have to chat. I, I understand the need for a cornerback, even though Ojemudia played really well, and they have some other young cornerbacks like Motley who played well today. But the Waller explosion today, which was a continuance of the last five seasons, has to end. And that will only end when you have a dynamic inside linebacker like Micah Parsons. That's the silver lining to me from this loss. Uh, Rich Stimson, good to see you, my brother. Thank you for the super. He says, hey, guys, great to see you two again. Best case scenario, it's a best case scenario loss, honestly. Locke played great. Judy improved from last week. I see this as a win-win. Honestly, aside from pride, and pride's an important factor, you know, in any professional pursuit, right? You want to do everything you can with the best job possible and, and always effort their pride's always on the line, especially in the AFC West when it's Broncos, Raiders. And so in a perfect world for me, I'm saying I, I'll take the win. But in the case of the silver lining, I mean, it's as basically it's as good as you get. Like I said, they lost it the best way. You echo exactly what I say, Ridge. You had a, a solid performance from Locke. Judy bounced back. Gordon got almost to a hundo. I mean, it was overall a really encouraging showing from the Pat Shermer offense that needed it desperately. I mean, yeah, like, you know, you can separate the facets today. The offense did play well, and that was an encouraging momentum builder for 21. But it's, again, it's not that they lost, it's how they lost. To blow a lead like that and let them go down the field with ease, big chunk plays, run plays, pass plays, then the two-point conversion to a tight end that you haven't stopped all afternoon. You think you would double-team the guy, then the timeout issues. Again, that's what is, is the more worrisome part. I'm happy the offense played well. I'm happy they have a top-10 draft pick. But the way the coaching and the defense blew it, it doesn't really leave me with a, a fuzzy feeling going into next season. All right, let's grab Zach Lee Butler. And on some of these guys, please forgive us. We can't show the actual Super Chat because it's the chat jumps. And if it's not with, you know, sometimes in terms of the timeline of the chat, we can't it reaches a certain point where we can't go back up depending on how many comments are being made. So what we do is we go on the back and grab that comment, put it and paste it into a banner. So Zach Lee Butler, appreciate you, my friend. He says, I'm okay with the loss, but Vic needs to relieve himself of calling timeouts. He was baited by Gruden. 
top 10 pick at least. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about baited because I think there, that was some genuine chaos that was happening on the field there. I think the initial, uh, the initial plan was we're going to, we're going to pound the rock. We're going to give it to Jacobs again. And then Gruden's like, no, let's actually, I want to, I want to fake them out. I want to run heavy and put a bunch of tight ends on the field, pre-snap, make them think we're going heavy and then go empty. I mean, it actually was a great call by, by Gruden, but it took time getting there. Everyone was discombobulated, and then Fangio threw him the lifeline. I, I think it's fair to say that Gruden outcoached Fangio from offensive defense. I think in the in the last couple series of the game proved that. I mean, they won the game with their offense. And listen, if I don't know if the comment's serious or not, but if we have to remove Fangio from, from timeout duty, that's a central aspect to the job. It'd be like taking me off writing duty for my job, Chad. It's, 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 it's a requirement. If you can't do that, you should not be a head coach. Plain as day. And it only goes to show even more so the error in letting Mitch Tanney, their former analytics guy, go. Because Mitch Tanney, it wasn't just about, hey, let's look at the deep dive analytics to see what the tendencies are here and there for this opponent. Or It, it also came down very much so to the focus and scrutiny on situational decisions. For example, if you've got 26 seconds left in the game, one timeout, you just lost the lead and you're no not well, you could you're about to lose the lead. And instead of kicking an extra point to, to be tied, they're going for two, and then you see that they're discombobulated. That's when you don't call timeout. He doesn't have that guy, right? There's no one in his ear, and yet they minimize that all year long when we've seen these coaching snafus in critical key situations. They've brushed it off like, oh, you know, it's no big deal. we we're fine. You know, this is, you know, we don't we didn't need the guy. Obviously they did. And here's BNS. Appreciate you BNS. He says, I'm tired of uh, Josh comparing truth. I'm not sure what that means. A lock career, eight and eight, not counting Pittsburgh or today, 3,614 yards. Too many numbers there. It's breaking my brain. Well, look, let's say uh, counting pit. Uh, So that's eight and 10 all time. Probably. Well, he finished with, I'll, I'll pull it up real quick. He finished with 339 yards passing. So, Kudos to, to Drew for that. So he's over 4,000 almost. Uh, and let's see, what's the touchdown? Yeah, 23 touchdowns. No picks today. No turnovers from Locke. He finally snapped that streak. But then he says, Allen, 5, five and 10, 2,000 yards, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, 52% worse than the NFL. Locke should be the guy in 2021. Should Locke be the guy in 2021, Zach? Well, if this was, you know, the audition for Fangio after all the endorsements and after all the talk of continuity, this was also an audition for Locke. And I think Locke passed with flying colors. And we mentioned on the halftime stream, for once, he didn't have that turnover in the first quarter. And he he took sacks instead of playing hero ball. He was very poised and calm and collected. He was playing with no pressure, Chad. And we talked about it with Paxton Lynch years ago, not thinking or overthinking, just going out there and playing quarterback. And that's what Locke did today. There was no pressure about the playoffs or his future or the coaching staff. He knew there was nothing on the line, go out there and play ball. So I think he aced that audition, and that goes into next season. It goes in his resume, in his file. And at the very least, he'll get 21 as the guy to start. Again, whether he finishes as the guy, we won't know that until next season. But I think he damn sure earned the spot to be the guy for another year. I agree. Uh, my outlook has not really changed on Drew. And let's be honest, you know, he's his play has vastly improved from week 11 on. And I think he really, you know, 
topped it today. <clears throat> I've used the punctuated word too many times already, but he closed out this season on the on the right note. Now you could argue, no, if, if he really closed it out on the right note, he would have got that last possession. But when you get a holding uh, holding penalty on what was it first set on a first down after Gordon had already picked up one big gain and then he gets another one and Noah Fant backs you up to uh, you know starting at first and twenty. <laughs> That's outside of his control. Not many of the best quarterbacks in the league, especially protecting a lead, you know, on a first and 20 that late in the game, they're going to end up punting that thing away and just playing keep away and hoping the defense can can get a stop. So Drew did everything I think possible within his grasp, within his reach to shit, uh, tell the front office, tell the coaching staff, hey, I'm turning the corner. The light bulb is coming on. The reps have made a difference. I should be the guy in 2021. It doesn't mean the Broncos, excuse me, won't won't tinker and bring in a veteran, but I would be stunned, Zach, if we well, I, I should say I'd be stunned if the Broncos draft a quarterback in the first round. And I'll be shocked if Elway doesn't officially anoint Locke as the guy tomorrow. Burn the guitarist. We feel your pain, my friend. We really do. And thank you for that super chat. And it's been great getting to know you in the community. Stick around. 2021, we're just getting started, dude. We're going into free agency. We're going into draft season. It is going to be a blast, my dog. And how about this for Payne? You know, Locke did all that today and all that he accomplished, and it was tangible progress, no matter how much the Locke detractors want to point it in the opposite direction. But he did this with an offensive coordinator who doesn't let him throw on first down. There's no rollouts on first down. There's no play action. And how many times did you see Locke under center, not in shotgun? I mean, the element of surprise is totally gone from the Broncos offense. Douglas MacArthur would be rolling in his grave right now watching Pat Shermer's scheme. There's just no creativity. It's all in front of you. Here's what we're going to do. We telegraph everything. That fourth down call and and, and, uh, short yardage and shotgun. If Locke had better coaching the entire season, we would have had more games like today, Chad. That's the overall, I think, argument you can make for him. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, 
the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Blue Ra, jumping in again. Thank you, my friend, to say, I changed my name so I could start streaming on Twitch. But we've talked on Twitter before. Me and Zach got into it a couple times here. Ah, Great to see you, Chris. Right on. Thanks for being with us, my brother. John, I've got a few queued up on uh, the banner side. So if you need a, yeah, let's just do a a run and try and stop people from having to wait too long. Ren, 99, good to see you, my friend. Appreciate your support as always. He says, Fangio needs to be fired. I don't know why we're bringing him back. He's cost us multiple games because Elway can't stand up there with a straight face and fire another head coach without firing himself. That's the reason. You really want to know why? That's the T-H-E, all in caps, big reason. And he's doing it. I mean, you hit on it, but he's doing it not so much to protect Fangio or the Broncos. It's to protect his own self-interest because it's a reflection and an indictment on him, just as uh, Vance Joseph was, just as Joe Flacco was. Like you mentioned, the crap rolls downhill at his feet, Chad, and the buck stops with him. He is the GM of the team. He is the czar of the team, and he's the one who's picked the groceries. So he doesn't want that to look bad on on his resume. 2021 is all about the last stand of the Elway regime. And these are the pieces in the, in the you know, if you look at it like a chess game, these are the pieces that Elway has assembled from his own hand. And if he's going to go down swinging, he's going to go down with the guys he selected. And that includes Fangio at this point, even though in, a, in his heart of hearts, he might be right now pining for another head coach. He just knows he can't survive the PR crap storm of firing another head coach. But that also includes riding till a bitter end with Drew. And there's some optimistic, optimistic reasons to think that that could pay some dividends in 2021. All the offense. I mean, the, he's, he's turned a new leaf. We've talked about it on the show many, many times. John Elway, 2013 through 2017 as a drafter, terrible. But from 2018 up until this point, he really has turned over a new leaf and it will pay dividends if you can get your guys on the field and healthy. But then you wonder at what point you reach the diminishing returns act because of coaching Uh, Muhammad Badri. And then I'll serve this right back over to you. Appreciate you, my friend. Uh, He says, hello, rock stars. I'm very disappointed at the coaching staff. The problem is Elway isn't firing nobody except for maybe the special teams coordinator. That's just the way it is. That would be Vic's call, though. I mean, it's his coaching staff, but he has full autonomy. And, yeah, I mean, McMahon has to go, and there should be some accountability. Last year, the scapegoat was Gangarello. There's always one this year. It won't be Fangio. It won't be Elway, obviously. It'll be McMahon. But to the last point, uh, it's all about positioning himself, Chad, I think, to walk away on a high note. That's why I think he was hoping for the year of lock this year, because you maybe would have entertained the idea of him walking away if the Broncos were back to the playoffs. But even next year, if they fail, he can say, okay, I'll fire Fangio. If he gets another contract, Elway, as GM, I'll fi- it was Locke, it was Fangio. Elway is lining up the scapegoats below him. That's also part of the reason why he's preaching the continuity. Yeah, and you know what? If you flash forward one year from now, if and it's Elway just completed his last season under contract, if that season didn't end with the Bronco playoff berth, even Joe Ellis under yeah. the current – uh, Pat Bowen trust. If there is no shift in ownership and it gets dragged out in courts and all that, even he couldn't stand up there and say, I'm extending John Elway. It just, it just yeah. wouldn't happen. Bama X appreciate you. My brother, he says, John Gruden with the four D chess, LOL. 
I know, I know. But hey, you know what? Again, even though they bumbled their way through it on that two point, Zach, that was actually a very good call because it got the Broncos thinking heavy. And then when they actually break the huddle, they're freaking empty. And then from there, it should have been obvious. They're going for Waller. Hello. Right. But nevertheless, tip your cap to him. And, you know, they saw the panic going back to a previous conversation. Fangio, like everybody else, you saw the panic, and Derek Carr was screaming at the coaching staff. I mean, why would you call a timeout? You don't need an analytics guy for that. You don't need anything to tell you. It just comes with the feel of the game. But, you know, Chad, we've been saying the entire year, don't be surprised if the Raiders are not a bad team this year. They're going to be better than a lot of people think they are. And I think it's indisputable, at least in the second half, John Gruden's offense outcoached and outclassed Vic Fangio's defense. Steve Baumgartner, good to see you, my friend. Appreciate the super chat. Also been helping us in the chat as a moderator, keeping out the trolls and the naughty words. By the way, we're not too anal when it comes to – that's probably poor choice of words when I'm, <laughs> what I'm about to say. Uh, with the naughty words, we just don't want to see in the chat the Fs, anything that is uh, probably, probably even uh, Bs. We don't want to see that. Some of the other stuff – we can let slide. If it's a naughty word that appears in the Bible, we'll let it slide. Obviously, no uh, uh, no hate speech of any kind. We don't want to see any of that. But Stephen's been doing a good job staying on top of that. And he says, great game by Locke today. Fly, Eagles, fly. So he's rooting for what? Rooting for the Giants would win the division. Giants to, yeah. to get the division because the Cowboys, by virtue of that loss, they're that's it, right? Yeah, I don't care anymore. I have no rooting interest in what happens <laughs> with the NFC East. I'm out of it. All right. What else we got here, John? I have uh, a few queued up on banners. Should I grab them? I'll, I'll grab them real quick. Um, oh, sorry. Throw that back on. I didn't see that. Oh, never mind. Never mind. That was the same one. All right. Zach Lee Butler. Appreciate you, brother. He says, on another note, BMAC, Brandon McManus, is overrated. He is. We Listen, we ate a little crow early in the season, Zach, but we've kind of been having to tell everybody that he's not as good as – let me put it this way. He's no Matt Prater. That's all I'll say. <laughs> and, or Justin Tucker. And I think he fancies himself to be a Justin Tucker, and he's really not. I mean, I you can't hold him accountable for like a 60, 70-yard field goal, but I think anything within 50, Chad, 50 to 59 or 60 in the mile-high altitude, for someone who talks like he does, the fourth-highest-paid kicker in the NFL, you think he'd make more of the kick. So I, I happen to agree with the comment. I think he's a, an elite kicker or a way-above-average kicker. But I think he's a tad overrated, just a little bit. I don't know if I'd call him elite. Uh, honestly, yeah. I would say he's very good. Yes, there's, 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 there's the elite. There's the very good. Okay, that's fair. There's the good. There's the average, below average. I would put him somewhere between the good and the very good. But what makes it, what really holds him back from even with his performance, what holds him back from going even one step higher to be an elite, perhaps, is this. If he stopped with the running the mouth and the throwing the helmet and the stuff on Twitter, at time, right. I don't want right. to go too overboard because it's not like he's some, you know, insanely out of control squeaky wheel. But it's definitely more than you've ever seen from a kicker ever. Have you ever seen <laughs> anyone with that much swag? No that kicker that that mouthy and that lippy. I never have, uh, and so that detracts and only adds an even when he does slump an even worse kind of blemish to the whole picture. But. Uh, Dale Rude jumping in. Thank you, my friend. Good to see you. By the way, is it Rude or is it Rudd like Paul Rudd? Is it, I, I'm curious. Let me know. He says, we literally just lost the final game of the season for the exact same reason that we lost the first. Terrible clock management. Hashtag consistency. Indeed. 
Yeah, I just want to say I want to throw out there. It looked like Brandon Russolino today. Brandon McManus. <laughs> it was it was that it harkened back PTSD from that kicking disaster. Uh, we got a Nate Martinez jumping in, a name we don't recognize. So welcome, yeah, thank you, Nate. Uh, stick around, we appreciate you, and uh, you know settle into the community. But be sure to connect on Twitter. He says Locke stayed in the pocket on that touchdown to Judy. Yes, he did. And in in uh, defense of the Raiders, or I guess I should say, I don't want to go too overboard on complimenting Locke for staying in the pocket because what did they do? Zach rushed two, if I, if I remember, yeah. on that 92-yard strike. I mean, he had all the time in the world because it was five on two, and you know he burped the baby, stepped up, delivered the strike, and then Judy did the rest. But still, you saw a much more disciplined, poised, focused, locked-in lock, pun intended, than we've seen really at any point this season. And it's unfortunate that it came in a loss. But nevertheless, this might be accepting the, you know, take the Carolina game, set that to the side. Aside from that one this year, in, in 2020 anyway, this was probably Drew's most complete game. You could maybe argue the Miami game, but then he had that ugly pick on the first possession. Right. So I, I stand behind this probably being his most complete game outside of the Carolina game. I'm with you. I think in terms of efficiency, in terms of a technical standpoint, I mean, arm talent and the, the uh, you know, just the, the mental components of playing the game, I thought it was one of, if not the best performance by Locke in a Broncos uniform. And I'm not going to credit him, you know, even though I'm a Locke fan, for stepping up in the pocket. That's something every quarterback does since Pop Warner. I'm not going to praise him for that in Week 17. But he did that consistently today. He did not break the pocket. We didn't have to. He did not have happy feet. He wasn't seeing ghosts out there. He didn't play hero ball. Like you mentioned, like I've mentioned, he was poised. He was calm. He was collected, playing with no pressure, no jitters, no turnovers. It was a really, I think, impressive effort. And I think from both sides of the aisle, Locke supporters and Locke detractors can admit that today. By the way, John, let me know if you have our friend Chris Hernandez as super. If not, I've got it loaded on, on the back end. Uh, Dylan... Good to see you, my brother. Longtime listener, bona fide superstar. Really appreciate that that generosity. And it's Thank a you nice um, Zach. It's a nice gesture for us opening up our first show of 2021. We really appreciate that, Dylan. Uh, for those calling, this is Dylan. For those calling for a new coach, might as well want Lock gone too. Another for another year would only hurt Lock. If you get a new coach, you might as well get him his guy in the draft. I'm not a Shermer guy, but am I crazy here? No, I think there's some truth to it. Like, if push came to shove, you know, I tend to agree with you, Dylan. If push came to shove, I could definitely um, – hold on, let me get that off screen. I don't know. There we go. If push came to shove, I could convince myself that – I could. I shouldn't say convince myself. I could find the right pros to outweigh the cons on why, if you want to save luck, you fire Fangio – which fires Shermer and you go out and get, you know, that hot Shanahan guy or whatever. But I think I'm more inclined, Zach, to to look at it and err on the side of if you're going with Locke, then maybe the best thing is unsatisfying as it is right now with this taste everyone has in their mouth to roll with the continuity of Fangio, Shermer, Shula, and just say, look, we're going, this is it. This is the last stand of the Elway regime. And if it doesn't work this time, we know that it's just not meant to be. And if this was an audition for Locke, it was an audition by association for Shermer as well. And it looks good for him after the comments that Fangio made suggesting his return in 21. Um, I do think he does return, but I don't subscribe to the theory that you can't under any circumstance replace the coordinator or it's, you know, Locke and Fangio and Shermer or, or completely different for next season. If 
like we've mentioned, if you have conviction, if you're sure you have the next McVay, the next Shanahan, the next whoever, then that would be in the best interest of your quarterback. The most important thing is not Pat Shermer or anybody else. It's Drew Locke or whoever's quarterbacking the team next year. So I want to find the right coordinator to hone his skill set, even if it means learning a new playbook. He's dealt with it throughout his career at Missouri in the NFL so far. It wouldn't be anything else to ask him one more time. Listen, Drew, we finally have the guy. We failed with Scangarello. We failed with Pat Shermer. But now we have a happy medium who we think is going to take you to new heights. Would you be okay with that? Waiting well, to say no to that? No, he'd be, he's a gamer, Chad. He would right. be a-okay with that, and so would I. And especially if you actually had OTAs and a full, <clears throat> you know, traditional training camp and a full preseason, then yeah, I mean, it's it you can get there a lot, a lot easier than just saying, you know, uh, let's give you a new coordinator and we have no idea what's going to happen in the offseason. Yeah. And listen, right now, based on what we heard from J.C. Treader, the president of the NFLPA, it sounds like the NFLPA is going to try and. Uh, even though they just codified the new CBA right before the pandemic hit last year, sounds like they're going to try and win, uh, wage a PR battle to strong arm the NFL to, to do away with all OTAs. But that's a topic for another time. Uh, John Houston, appreciate that, my friend. He says, if we are pick nine in the draft, if we won the game, we would be at pick 12. So that's a plus being in the top 10. That almost guarantees a Sertan, Farley, or Zach Wilson, or a Parsons. Yeah, so I mean, you take your pick on what the priority is or how you you know uh, shape your your big board. It just gives you a better chance at securing the blue chip guy, whichever one it's going to be for the Broncos. Which we don't know, and they don't know yet, and they won't know until they're on the clock. But I would be surprised, as Chad would, if a quarterback in the first round, even if Wilson, and I'm a fan of his, if he fell that far to nine. I don't think he's the pick. And again, I don't mind the Broncos having a better draft pick. I just can't root for losses. It's a loser, cowardly mentality to me. It's just a small silver lining on what was still a very gut-wrenching defeat. By the way, John, I'm grabbing Chris, and I'm grabbing Pickle Ian, and then uh, back to whatever you got ready to go. Man, the chat is just on fire today. We love it. Uh, Chris, 24-year veteran of the Air Force, going to be a 25-year veteran of the Air Force later this year, and a bona fide superstar MHH Mount Rushmore guy. Love you, buddy. And his supers on game day, always, always symbolic of the points the Broncos put up. And we appreciate that generosity, bro. Seriously. He says, man, I hope the coaches improve their decision-making next season. Cheers to the off season. Hashtag click those little thumbs up. Thank you, Chris. And that's a good reminder to everybody like this video, Facebook, YouTube, crucial, like it right now. So you don't forget Really appreciate that. But, yeah, you, you want to see that improvement, Zach, on the decision-making side. And, unfortunately, with two full seasons as a head coach, Banjo just proved in the season finale of year two that he there's really not any measurable progress. And if you watch, like, I watched the Cleveland game earlier today, and they, you know, it was a, they were playing Mason Rudolph in the backups. But if you watch a first year coach like Kevin Stefanski, and, you know, he has better talent at certain spots and, and less injuries and all that. But he's, he's so in control of what goes on on the sideline. And there's so many personalities on that team, including Baker Mayfield. But if you watch him coach, there's none of these glaring issues. And Fangio now, I bring that up because pandemic or not, offseason lost or not, he's at the end now of his second season as a head coach, and he doesn't know when to call a timeout. He doesn't know what's going on. I mean, those are red flags that really you wonder if they can be removed or, or taught or, or improved yeah. upon. You know, I can understand some of his rationale or the logic in terms of, hey, we thought they were going to run this 
And then, or maybe he was planning on calling a timeout all along. But as soon as you recognize the chaos, well, it was right in front of your eyes on the other side of the field. And you could see the ticker just going down, down. That should have canceled out what you previously had tactically loaded up. There was uh, like Leon. 10 seconds left, Chad, and they weren't even yeah. lining up yet, the Raiders. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous. Uh, Leon Archuleta, good to see you. A name we don't recognize, so welcome. welcome. Thank you, Leon. Connect with us on Twitter. We'd love to be able to shout you out after the show. He says, it's never okay to lose to the Raiders. Draft picks, considered and all. Come on, guys. Yeah, we're with you on that in terms of, like, uh, Zach said it best. Pining for, hey, man, lose to the Raiders because it improves our draft position. That is a loser's mindset. Now, that's different than saying, for example, hey, let's find the silver lining, and the silver lining is the Broncos improved their draft position, but openly like rooting for the Broncos to lose to the Raiders. I mean, I could maybe even understand it if it's anybody but the Raiders or the other three, or excuse me, other two AFC West teams, but still it's a loser's mentality. You don't want to attack life, Zach, with the loser's mentality. It's not just losing to the Raiders, it's getting swept by the Raiders. And you yeah. lost to them pretty brutally the first time, and you lost to them the second time in horrifying fashion. It was just not a good year for the Broncos Raiders rivalry and not a good look for we all call Gruden overrated his big contract and this and that. But when that overrated coach is beating your coach twice in the same season, what does that say? Yeah, there's no, Hey, at least we split with the Raiders to fall no, back on no, this time. You no, got no more victories this time. Uh, Pickle thank you for the super chat and thanks for your patience. He says, please Kelberman or Chad, please find a good reason why Fangio is keeping his job after that. Blows our last time out, gave the Raiders a chance to set up, and then it goes on. Hold on. Then he says, uh, I uh, to, to set up, inexcusable. We as fans are livid. Totally understandable. Uh, there's only one reason why fans there, – there's one reason with a 1.A behind that. One, Elway – can't fire another head coach if he's going to stay in his job. And then and then the one A to, to kind of justify that if you're Elway is continuity. But still, it all boils down to the one. Throw away the A. It's Elway can't stand up there and after a fourth consecutive losing season. It's not just missing the playoffs. That's five years in a row. But a fourth consecutive losing season and fire another head coach without you also falling on the sword. There wouldn't need to be an A if there wasn't a one. It's He wants continuity because he kept firing coaches, because there's been no continuity before. It's it's his it's his latest fat chat. He's saying to himself, I'll bring the band back together for one more year. I'll write it off as the injuries and the pandemic, and hopefully Fangio, hopefully Shermer, and hopefully Lockett's the guy for the sake of continuity. Uh, Willie, good to see you, my friend. Thank you for the super. He says, yet another defensive breakdown. Thank you, Willie. Late- Game. Yes, indeed. Uh, also, Mundungus, good to see you again, Broncos Wizard. He says, uh, and thank you for the super. He says, What in the actual F, Fangio? Can we call a timeout on him as coach just for a little bit? Yeah, the, the frustration and the anger and this, the disbelief is very real right now. I don't blame Broncos country at all. And I'm, I'm also questioning, you know, I'm, it might be an overreaction and it might be because it's the gut reaction and we're kind of emotional on this podcast right after the game, but. I'm really wondering, Chad, if he is the guy as the head coach of the Broncos. If he doesn't fix these issues, it's going to be the same thing next season. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. 
Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I know you're, you're, you're looking for little rays of improvement and it's hard to find those. And especially amid a season in which there were so many person, so much personnel attrition. It's like, how do you like, how do you rightfully accurately evaluate Fangio? But one of the ways that you can are game situation decisions. And he's failed those. Uh, Brett White, appreciate you, my friend. How does a defensive minded coach seem to come up short at the end, calling a timeout? Wow. Yeah, Zach, that's just been one of the themes, unfortunately, of Fangio's first two seasons in Denver. And, it's you know, you can point to the personnel losses this year and the injury bug. But last year it was even worse in terms of, uh, I want to say what, it was at least four uh, blown leads where you needed to stop. There might have been one more. And then, of course, you can count the Minnesota game where you could go into halftime up 20 points and then you end up blowing that one. It's it's been a common theme in the Fangio era, and I, some fans have caught on, Chad. I know certainly you and I have kept abreast of it the last couple seasons. In crunch time, when it matters most, yeah, the defense can can create turnovers at times, and even Kareem Jackson got an interception today. Ojemudia Moody had forced fumbles, but when it matters most in the fourth quarter or goal-to-go situations, game-to-go situations, they come up small. And you can blame that on injuries. You can blame it on whatever you want, but it's it goes back to last year. And the denominator... It's Fangio. Longtime superstar, longtime listener of the show, Aaron Lynch jumping in, and his goes a little long. I can't fit it all in one banner, so I'm going to read what remains. Appreciate you, Aaron, and that generosity. It does mean the world to us. He says, hell of a fight by our boys. All I wanted was to go into the offseason with a team on the rise. A loss to the Raiders always hurts, but the sunsets are still orange and blue. We will be back, and we will be better. Hashtag Orange Crush. Now, that's an optimistic outlook I can get behind, Aaron. I love it, dude. I love it. I mean, there's we can sit and pick nits, and we will, and we are, and probably will continue the next day or two. But honestly, you know, the offense showed what you wanted to see, Zach. The the defense got four takeaways. They couldn't get the last, the last stop. But, hey, how many games did we go? And I'm honestly asking this. This is not rhetorical. Without, without a takeaway for the Broncos until today, I want to say it was – Three. I want to say the last one. Correct me on this if I'm wrong, guys. But it's been a couple of games, so you saw that those steps forward, and that's uh, unfortunately in the wake of a loss. That's all you can really hold on to going into the offseason. 
Yeah, I tweeted something earlier like, you know, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick, Noah Fant. It's going to be fun next year. And if Drew Locke continues and builds off this last game and pretty much, you know, for the most part, the second half of the season, the Carolina game, the Miami game, the offense could be up to par where we thought it was going to be this year. If Fangio's defense, I mean, he's getting Von Miller back, Bradley Chubb, all the other players are coming back. They're going to add to that in the draft. If he can just nail down the offense and nail down his own coaching, the Broncos, I'm holding true to what I thought this year. They will be a playoff team in 21 and back on the NFL map. Uh, Our friend Tony, Discount Audio and Wills, DA Dub out in Los Angeles jumping in, and I'm going to read his from the back end too. Appreciate you, Tony. He says, stupid, stupid, stupid. I don't care about picking nine or number 14. It's about winning games and telling your team it's about winning. I can't defend Vic. He has to go. And if Elway can't see that, he can go to, he can go to. Can't defend stupid at this point. And a big part of being your football priest is, is being here for you to help exercise the demons and get things off your chest. Unfortunately, Zach, as much as Tony is, is justified in feeling the way he feels and everyone else who feels that way, there's no, there's no one to turn the screw. There, you know, there's no one to force that on Elway unless all of, and fire Elway unless all of a sudden Joe Ellis, amid all of the uncertainty of the the lawsuit, all the uncertainty that that pertains to ownership and all that, unless he wants to then deal with hiring a GM, then deal with hiring a head coach. I mean, that's just above his pay grade, dude. He's never been that guy. John Elway was a Pat Bolin decision. I mean. Joe Ellis, the football side, that's not his bag. He's the business side. That's why he's CEO. He And with just things in limbo, he can't – I doubt he would have the gumption to fire Elway right now. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way as you guys. You want just the entire operation blown up, and if Fangio fails and, and if he should be fired and you can make the case for it, then maybe Elway should be as well because he picked Vic Fangio. He picked Vance Joseph. He's picked these quarterbacks. But realistically, like we've been saying – 21 will be the status quo. For the most part, you'll see minor tweaks, but pretty much the gang is all returning for next year, and it's do or die for everyone involved. Christy, the queen, jumping in with a super. Thank you so much. Hope you had a great holiday season, and happy new year to you. MHH Mount Rushmore, she's up there, one of the first etched up there as well. And she says, these players have what it takes to be legit. The coaching, the coaching, Jesus Lord. (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 that's what we've been saying. Too. At least I've been saying that they really do have the horses. I mean, even with the injuries, they have the talent. Look what Jerry Judy did. Look what Drew Locke did. Look what the defense did, forcing the turnovers until late in the game. It's the coaching. That's what held this team back, Chad. They could have been, even with the injuries and the pandemic, a nine-win team with elite coaching. Um, John will grab George and then grab uh, Isaiah that you had up. Appreciate you, George. Good to see you, my friend. He said, and happy New Year. He says, seems like every time the opposing team has the ball with two minutes or less, they score. Fangio needs to get better just as much as he wants to see Locke get better. Indeed, that's 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 both very fair observations. What's the opposite of clutch? Unclutch? <laughs> Unclutch? Slap dash? Yeah, um, like that's uh that's what Fangio's defense is under two minutes. Isaiah, 1127, it is good to see you, my friend. Thanks for being with us tonight and for the super. He says, uh, thanks for all you guys do. I'm glad I got linked up and enjoy all the insight and football talk all season with you guys. Stay up, Broncos country. Hey, we appreciate that, Isaiah, for real. And look, you know, the season's in the books now. And as you guys have heard me say before, 
look, now Zach and I get to breathe a little bit. We're no longer going to be quite so slave to the to the news cycle grind that we get swept up into during the actual season. And now we, on this show, can start looking at the draft. We can start looking at prospects. We can start looking at free agency. Who's going to be unrestricted? Who are some of the RFAs out there? Who are some maybe some trade targets? Now we actually have the time to do that. Meanwhile, you got our draft experts like Eric Trickle and Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler and Lance Sanderson, who's you know, Lance and Luke, for what it's worth, that are going to be uh, already well under that. I mean, Eric's been breaking down film on draft prospects for a year already on the 2021 class. So this is going to be a really fun, uh, you know, jumping off point. The season's over and we officially enter the offseason, Zach, and it's going to be a gas. Yeah, Isaiah, it's been great having you lately, and uh, be sure to stay tuned this entire offseason. I enjoy the offseason podcast more than the in-season ones, and we've mentioned this before because the in-season ones are very regimented. We know every day, every week, what that, the news is going to come, who's going to talk, what's going on, but the offseason is predictable. Hiring, firing, signings, trades, the draft, it's going to be a fun ride uh, this coming year, so be sure to uh, stay tuned with us. All right, we've got one. Um, John, I have... Two queued up, and then I'm current with where I'm at in the stream. You want me to grab them real quick? All right, I'll, I'll grab them. Uh, Smith Corona, good to see you, brother. Appreciate that super. He says, uh, it would have been nice to end on a win, but what can you do? The lock to Judy touchdown is hopefully a sign of things to come, especially with a full offseason and a healthy, uh, he says, a healthy team. Happy New Year, guys. Draft season starts now for me. Amen, brother. It's going to be a lot of fun. and. Look, it's another way to improve this team and, and the roster, and we'll see exactly what Elway has to say tomorrow and what heads may or may not roll. I mean, we'll see, but it all comes down to, Zach, the, the last hurrah of the Elway regime and the final pieces to the puzzle getting put in place, and it's going to be exciting. All, the speculation, the you know, all the conversations and the arguments over who should be picked, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's the drive version of Elway's GM-ship, Chad. It's the last-ditch last, last ditch effort. And you know what? You talk about the team staying healthy. If they want to preserve that or want to attain that, they might want to think about replacing Lauren Landau. Just throwing it out there. I haven't mentioned his name in months because we're kind of like, we get so much criticism, but there's a, a trend with injuries, too, that I want to see end uh, in 2021. He was back there on the sideline today, I noticed. Um, so good to and see And Tim this. Patrick went out. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. True. Uh, we're not big believers in coincidence. That we're just I'm just joking. Uh, David Kilgore, thank you, my friend. Appreciate you. He says, do you guys see us replacing Brandon McManus in the offseason? He is not consistent anymore. No, no. The Elway just paid him. I mean, we can look at the contract, but it's not – David, it's just not going to happen. Right. The ashes that you feel in your mouth right now, that taste, it's going to – it'll dissipate over the next few days, and you'll just really focus on 2021. But the reality is – Brandon McManus just got paid. And so Broncos are committed to him. I think it was a three-year, it might have been a four-year, but either way, the first two years traditionally, without even looking up the contract, are uh, fully guaranteed. So you're, unless he were to trade him, which you rarely see, almost never in the NFL, trade uh, kickers traded, he's your guy for 2021 and probably 2022 at least. Yeah, I got the same question about Graham Glasgow if the Broncos would move on from him. It'd be like a $17 million dead money hit. The Broncos, for some of these players, for contracts or multi-year contracts, they front-load the deals, which makes them uncuttable for the first couple seasons. McManus is your kicker for next year. You know, Failing that beyond that, he might be replaced, but he'll be back next season. Let me see if I can pronounce this name. I'm sorry, my friend, if I do butcher your name. Olusugan. 
Oyewole. Man, I suck at that. You sound like the CBS announcers today, Chad. You somebody, Josh Witten, they couldn't pronounce Ojemudia. They literally could not pronounce anything. It's pretty tough to listen to. You could see, and for what it's worth, I actually enjoy listening to Beth Mullen's call game. Or what's her name? Beth Mullen. Mullen. You sound you. like her now. Uh, I know. There's the irony. That's <laughs> the, 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 We're just punctuating the season the same, right? It's all it's all in kind. Yep. But um, I actually enjoy Beth. She, I think she does a really good job. I do like her observations. But Tiki Barber is who really struggled today, <laughs> um, calling that game. So, anyway, his question, though, is how do we get four turnovers and have a competent offense and still lose? Hashtag frustrated Broncos fan, but really – Love y'all podcast. Started listening this year. Well, thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Appreciate you. Make sure you connect with us on Twitter. Yeah, I, it's that's one thing that I do criticize the offense for and lock. When they got those turnovers, Chad, they did not capitalize. I mean, you can argue that the game should never have come down to that two-point conversion because if they would have taken care of business, it would have been maybe a blowout. But that's a small nit to pick when Lock puts up the numbers he did and the defense played the way they did. Mark Anthony, thank you for the super. He says, season over. We haven't been competitive for weeks. Take the positives of the season and look toward the future. Bump this emotional negativity. Cheers. Cheers to you as well, Mark. And that's a, I think that's a very uh, useful mindset. And also thanks, Marcus, for the stars. Appreciate that on Facebook, my brother. But, yeah, it's it's time to turn the page. We'll kind of soak this up tonight, and we'll have – I mean, tomorrow won't even really be an aftermath pod because tomorrow's pod is going to be analyzing whatever is said in the press conference tomorrow. Yeah, it's 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 a sad resignation that the season's over. No more Broncos football until August. But listen, guys, it's a new year. This was a horrible season that mercifully now is over. We can turn the page to what will be a better season and a better year overall in 21. So I agree. I understand the negativity. Take today, but starting tomorrow, let's have a more uh, forward-leaning long-term outlook. Uh, Dario, thank you for that super chat, my friend. He says, Fangio is clueless on time management. Also, Gordon should know to stay in bounds. At least we have a higher draft pick. You know, I wasn't too worried about the the Gordon run where he, he went out of bounds, honestly, just because he picked up some big chunk yardage. And were it not for a very ill-timed and ill-advised holding penalty on Noah Fant, I don't we could be talking about a completely different result in this game because the Broncos crossed the 50. And they're rolling, man. They're rolling, and they can maybe four-minute close this thing out. I don't necessarily blame for that per se. If it was under two minutes, I would definitely be tripping. Thank you, Ronald, for the stars on, on Facebook, my friend. Uh, and then Rello says, hashtag fire Vic Fangio. You know, maybe at, would an $8 million a year running back who earned that money, would he have gone? You know, would he have stayed in bounds and not go out of bounds? I can't really hate on him too much either. He had a good game, and he's been – the backbone, it's strange to state he's been the backbone of the Denver offense for the second half of the season, especially with Philip Lindsay out of the picture. Melvin Gordon ran well this year. I wouldn't say again $8 million worth, but I'm not going to kill him for that gaffe. It's been really interesting to see how such a large swath of Broncos country, in many ways, has kind of turned on Philip Lindsay because of his injuries mm-hmm. this year. Just bad luck injuries. I mean, he was given kind of a uh, injury-prone label, unjustifiably so. He missed one game as a pro, week 17 of his rookie year, and he was kind of christened with that that reputation. But this is really the first year as a pro that injuries have been a consistent theme for Philip Lindsay to where it not only affected his play on the field but cost him time on the field. And fans, I mean, more often than not, if, if there's a Philip Lindsay story or an article at milehighhuddle.com that is – 
oriented toward Gordon or Lindsay. Most of the comments, Zach, are people saying like, you know, Philip, they're, they're just off the Lindsay train, which I find to be very curious because, you know, this dude's going to get healthy. He'll be back. He's going to he's going to do his thing. Uh, but Joe wants to know, thank you for the super thoughts on calling both timeouts uh, at the end. Uh, <laughs> it was awful. The way that the Broncos, we've, we've mentioned it multiple times now, the, the way the Broncos and Fangio handled the clock is it's, it's deplorable. It's unacceptable. It should never happen, but it's not the first time either. So I can't say I'm surprised. We've seen this from Fangio before. He has to be better. There's no two ways about it. No analytics guy upstairs. That's not the reason. Nothing in his ear, whatever replay. He needs to know in that situation to have the intuitiveness and the feel for the game to know when to step in. Gage, thank you for that super chat, my friend. He was with us in the in the halftime stream, and here he is again. Appreciate you. He says, Parsons or Sertan looked sexy in orange and blue. I am pleased by the growth I have seen from Drew. I hope he works with the QB guru to tweak fundamentals. Yeah, I mean, he's, again, week 11 on, Drew has, has really turned a corner, in my opinion. Now, maybe it's not quantum leap corner. You know, it's not going from being the Drew of old to – you know, the pop guy that, 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 uh, what's it, Colin Cowherd was, was projecting him to be, but measurable, quantifiable, palpable improvement. You know, I think this game proves that they need defensive help. And it may be weird to say, but the cornerback needs help. Uh, inside linebacker needs help. So, yeah, it has to be, for my money, Caleb Farley, uh, Patrick Sertan, or Micah Parsons in round one, Chad. Uh, if, you know, and now they finish in a top 10 pick, they're pretty much guaranteed to land one of them. It, it shouldn't be a quarterback, and I don't, I don't think it will be a quarterback. They got to replenish that defense. Okay, we are sitting here at 105. We got a little bit time of time left because we got to get each and every super chat that uh, is stacked up. We don't let anyone stay out in the cold, but I'm just taking a quick look here of, and then we'll grab this super on my end just to kind of see where we're at. Bear with me once a gauge, Aaron. Oh, we got another one from Aaron. We got the gauge one. We got Dario. Can I add something real quick about Philip Lindsay yeah. while you're doing that chat real quick mm-hmm. stack onto your previous point. Would he have been hurt if he was used correctly and he wasn't run like a Royce Freeman was run right up the middle into the teeth of a defense every single week? Would would have you know his turf toe or his knee or his concussion would that have happened if he was deployed as an outside or edge runner? I happen to uh, right. I wonder that myself. Yeah, I mean you'd like again. We've mostly seen square peg round hole from Shermer as opposed to here's a round peg. Let me go ahead and place it in the round hole. A uh, Simon. <laughs> North of the 49th parallel up there in Canada, showing us some love. Appreciate that, Simon. Love the pod. Keep it up, guys. Thank you, my friend. He says, from Prince George, British Columbia. There you go. Wow. Broncos for life. Stay awesome. to be. Appreciate the support. Means a lot. Connect with us on Twitter. It's another way to keep the conversation going when we sign off on these live stream pods. Thank you, Simon. Um, let me see here, John. Do, I have one from Aaron a second one here from Aaron that I can put in that uh, we have not been able to get to quite yet in terms of the order. Jamal, dude, thank you so much. We really appreciate that. Also, I saw one. I don't have it right in front of me to grab, but Jamal had a point to make. He said, I think that we should, uh, Broncos should trade for Matt Stafford. I'm not really on that train, my friend. I mean, Matthew Stafford, look at, look at what, what has he accomplished in Detroit? Like he is a very talented guy, but he peaked, about the time Megatron hung up his cleats and he just hasn't ever really been able to 
cash in, not in a real sense, he's cashed in as a pick, but I mean, you know, justify his draft pedigree as a former number one overall guy. To me, he's damaged goods. And I know that there's some people out there, probably yourself as well, Jamal, that see more than that in in uh, Matthew Stafford. But I just think if, if Matthew Stafford is going to have success anywhere else in the league outside of Detroit, he needs to go to a team that's literally just that one step away. The coaching's in right. place. The personnel's in place. Right. They just need the, the the quarterback. And you could maybe argue that that's the Broncos, but I think there are still too many holes, and it's still such a young team that it's not the greatest – scenario for the results you're hoping for. And Stu Meat, appreciate that super sticker, bro. You want to hear a great landing spot for Stafford, and that would be San Francisco. You put him with Kyle Shanahan and that defense, and look out. I agree with you. He needs to be in a uh, with a team that's a quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl. And the Broncos, I don't think they're any one player away from competing for a Super Bowl just yet. The playoffs should be the first goal, and then the title after that. Stafford, take on his contract, give up a pick for him, and go back not only that, Chad, but to recommit to that mindset at quarterback. Forget the young guy. Forget Drew Locke. Forget that progress. Forget developing our own in-house talent. Let's go rent another mule that we can beat for a few years and then release. It just makes no sense to me. He's not coming to Denver, guys. You can lose that dream pretty quickly. Cameron Whitehead, appreciate that super chat, my friend. He says, so after watching that, shake my head. I'm sick. Why, Vic? We feel your pain. And then here's the Aaron Lynch one. Appreciate you, Aaron. He says, I know uh, BC is a little heated finishing on a loss, but Broncos country. So let me start that over. I know Broncos country is a little heated finishing on a loss, but it has been a pleasure following along with the MHH family throughout yet another season. Cheers to many more. On to the offseason, friends. Amen, brother. And uh, we love you. We appreciate you. And we're really looking forward to this offseason. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Aaron, I'm appreciating and I'm liking your positivity a lot. So thank you for putting that in there in the chat tonight. Most definitely. Isaiah jumps in again. Thank you. He says, Micah Parsons in the draft, anybody? Hashtag MHH fam. Yeah, we're all over it. I know uh, Eric Trickle in his, his scouting, you know, pros and cons on Parsons says that, you know, his, his based on the tape, and remember, Parsons sat out this year, right? He opted out, but that he's a little um, – he's got the athleticism, but it hasn't come out in the wash in terms of the actual technique to be good in coverage. But – and here's the but, dot, dot, dot. He's got the athleticism. You put him with the right coaching, and that could be a big thing, a, a, a thing he could thrive in. We just haven't – according to this is Trickle's read on it – hasn't seen it come out in the wash yet as a collegiate player. But in the NFL – I think, look, Fangio, for some of his flaws in terms of you know game management and all that, as far as being a coach on the field and coaching the game and teaching players and all that, he had his track record with off-ball linebackers is sterling. Took two Jags in Josie Joel and Alexander Johnson and turned them into solid, maybe just barely above average guys. Now you get you get a dynamic, you know just stud like Micah Parsons, put him under Fangio's wing, put him under Ed Donatel's wing. And I think you see the football gods open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on the Broncos. And also the wing of Reggie Herring, who is one of the best position coaches right. in the entire NFL. And, and he's done a bang up job with the linebackers. Look what Malik Reed did this year, Chad, the step mm-hmm. he took in place of Von Miller. Yeah, I'm all about Micah Parsons. You can teach him to cover better. We all wanted Isaiah, at least I did. I wanted Isaiah Simmons in this last year's draft and, and Vance got him in Arizona, but 
They need to finally get that dynamic inside linebacker. You can coach him up. He might be a raw product in coverage, but you cannot win at this level with Josie Jewell and A.J. Johnson as your starters. It's just not feasible. Okay, so let me grab this one from uh, Willie. And then, John, if you have Jamal, which we already touched on this, but I would like to at least flash his super. Uh, Joshua, another one from Cameron, Kenneth, James, Alex, and we we start getting close to the end here. Uh, Willie, thanks again for the super. He says, Fangio needs to put that clipboard down and coach. You know, I think we've kind of flogged the Fangio horse to death at this point, you know, an hour and 12 minutes in. But as a coach, he's, I think, one of the best defensive-minded coaches in the league. As a game manager, a lot to be desired. As a team manager, I'm not sure he's cut out to be the head coach of the team. Like, that's one of the reasons why I think he went out and – brought in Pat Shermer and fired Rich Gangarello is because he wanted his focus to be sure I'm the head coach. And, you know, I have to kind of deal with all these other uh, issues that orbit around the team. But really when it comes to the day-to-day grind, I want to focus on the defense and I need a guy who I can trust a veteran to basically be the head coach of the offense. And, and that's what he, he was looking for and felt like he found in Pat Shermer. But whether it's the defense or the offense, Fangio is very stoic. And way too much for my liking. He He's very passive, and he stands there with his arms folded. He doesn't really move much. And just as a quick aside, I, I was watching NFL Films mic'd up. They have a YouTube. The NFL puts it out every week. It's like football porn. It's amazing. It's like a half-hour video. But I was watching Eric Bieniemy on the sidelines, the Chiefs offensive coordinator. He curses and screams so much at his players. Even he's criticizing Patrick Mahomes. He's, he's getting on him. That's the type of hands-on interaction I want from a head coach. I want to see some of that fire. And that's one thing from Fangio, Chad. He just won't or can't show. All right, we got one here from Ethan, a name we don't recognize. So welcome. Thank welcome. you, my friend. We really got to rapid fire these remaining ones because we're at 113 and there's a lot still waiting. So let's grab Ethan here. Do you think Elway is like Jerry Jones in the sense he just wants a yes man as head coach? I That's, that's very much, I think, part of it. But, but I know with Fangio, there was kind of a senior dynamic, right? Kind of like a – you know, he he remembered going against Fangio as a coach when he was a player in the 80s, when he was with New Orleans. And the interview process that they had, yeah, I, I want to say there's a few times I remember him, like even reminded him, I think, of his father, Jack Elway, and some of his, you know, coaching philosophy and his kind of gruff manner and all that. But look, he is a yes man. I've heard some rumbling, Zach. Now I'm going a little long-winded that Vic Fangio is going to be given a little bit more input on draft and personnel this year. We'll see. But I think there is some truth to what Ethan's saying. Well, I think he took to uh, Vic Fangio because he's a little more relatable. He's closer in age. And it seems like Elway never really bonded personally or professionally with Vance Joseph. Two different kinds of people, two different age groups. Fangio is like that old school, similar age to John Elway. So I think there's a natural respect. In terms of Dallas, though, you can say that about Jason Garrett. He was the biggest yes man to ever live. Mike McCarthy, though, is not really a yes man. He's kind of an ornery coach who does his own thing on the sidelines, so I wouldn't really group them together. I do think Elway consolidates power, and he wants power, but he's given a little more to Fangio, or a lot more than he ever did it to uh, to Vance Joseph. And this is uh, Jamal's actual super chat, so thank you for that, my friend. And I didn't even know you had, had supered. I saw that in a regular question early on, so I'm glad we were able to get to that for you and – like I said, we, we appreciate you. Uh, Josh Johnson again. On the opposite argument, how does Elway say with a serious face he's sticking with a coach that regressed and won one divisional game? No excuses in the NFL. So saying that 
you know, my point being how can Elway stand up there and, and fire a head coach and not fire himself with a straight face? His point is how can he not? How can he stand up there and not fire Fangio with a, with a straight face then? Right, yeah, it's just uh, you, you said it best. He kind of pinned himself into a corner. He, he's damned if he do, damned if he doesn't. And he has to go along with the continuity stake right now because if he makes a move, it's just poorly reflective on him and him only. Jen Heckle, another name that is new to Super Chat. So welcome, Jen, welcome. and thank you. Jen says, are coaches and Locke on the same page, reading the field short or too long or long too sh- – oh, student, let, let me do that syntax over again. Are coaches and Locke on the same page, reading the field short to long or long to short? Finally, a game with no turnovers, but Locke still missing wide open guys. P.S. Love my huddle up T-shirt. Right on, Jen. We'll send us a, a selfie on that. We'll we'll shout you out and put it up on MHH Instagram if you want. We'd love to do that, but – uh, the biggest thing is Locke's deep ball accuracy is the one bone that I would pick with him today, just way off the mark. And that's been a theme throughout his entire pro career. Yeah, he missed Patrick deep, but I thought he was actually more accurate on sh- check downs and short passes. I-, I thought it was a very complete game for Locke as a passer. So One of the most complete, definitely. Uh, then we got one here from Cameron. Thank you again. He says, I agree, Zach. It was just a wrong decision but we have to at least give it to the offense. They stepped up at least a little. Yeah, when the chips were down and the Raiders stormed back and and retook the lead, Broncos answered in a big, bad way with a 92-yard touchdown strike. Loved seeing that. Yeah, I'm not criticizing the offense at all. I mean, maybe small minor points like we just mentioned, but they were not the reason the Broncos lost this game. Not at all. Uh, James Moss, good to see you, my friend. Thank you for the super. He says, what's the point of getting a good draft pick (laughs) if you can't coach the damn players? Fair point, but it's uh, rhetorical at this stage. Uh, Kenneth, again, jumping in. Thank you, bro. He says, is Gruden getting <laughs> that or is it just me? I noticed that too. I'm like, dang, dude, I got to look at my own, you know, uh, dad bod in the mirror a little bit and compare that to John. I feel okay. He It was the quarantine weight. It was, you know, the freshman 15, he put on like in the freshman 35. It looked like. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Um, I've got one here after Blue Raw from James as well. Blue Raw, uh, I guess it's Chris, right? Good to see you. It says, Micah, Micah, Micah could be the Roquan for Fangio's defense. Could be, very much so. Micah Parsons could be that guy. Get him in the scheme. Get him coached up into the Fangio's way of doing things, and it could be something, Zach. I'd love to have a Roquan, you know, a Devin White Roquan, just a dynamic inside linebacker. Uh, James Korosek, thank you for that very generous super chat, my brother. He says, uh, let me go to the back end because it goes off the banner. He says, what kills me? is when Vic came here, he said, we will not lose death by inches. We have lost five games while leading with 30 seconds left. Mm. Too many mistakes by Vic. It is the utmost – it is so ironic that when the Broncos die, it is by inches based on that philosophy. I I, It's funny. I spaced his name now. Uh, The coach of the Falcons who got fired. Oh, um, oh I can't believe – I faced I, I spaced his name, but he got fired in part because the defense, Dan Quinn, that was Dan his Quinn. specialty, and his defense was constantly, and look at the Super Bowl, constantly blowing big leads late in the game. He fell on the sword for that. So you can wonder why Fangio, you can make a case for he should as well. Seth Harmon, thank you for the super. He says, great offense and great pod. Appreciate that, bro. Uh, whoop, let me do that again. Uh, Alex Salazar, hold on one sec. Keep flute games right there, John. He wants Justin Fields, does Alex. What are your thoughts on that? And then we'll grab Fluke, uh, Fluke, James, uh, Fluke Guy Games. 
I'm a little, you know, leery of Ohio State quarterbacks, but I thought he played just a legendary performance with his rib injury and just the, his his passing performance. He's not going to fall to eight or nine anyway, and the Broncos are not going to trade up for a quarterback in the first round. So it's a moot point. He's not coming to Denver, as far as I know. The Flute Guy Games, thank you for that super chat, brother. He says, disappointed in Broncos country for the toxicity towards Locke's great play today. I want to see someone we develop be great. I hate seeing us bring in people in after Super Bowl 50, hashtag Locke 2021. I haven't seen, now maybe I haven't read, obviously, every comment in the chat, but I haven't seen too many people hating on Locke today. It's mostly been, of course, Fangio. Yeah, because he had a decent game. When he plays well, the haters go bye-bye. When he plays bad, the haters come out in full force. So he should get the the, the starting nod next year. And you're right. They have to develop their own guy in-house. No more Band-Aids. John, do we have – thank you. Perfect. Perfect timing. Nope, perfect. Um, Naj Altaf in the house. He says – and thank you, Naj. Another brutal season with a disappointing finish. Four takeaways, zero giveaways, and we still lose. I know that is just – Again, this is probably the fifth time I've said ironic or used the irony word, but it really is. These young players give hope, but the coaching takes it away. Fangio calls out players like Vaughn last year. He needs to own this. It would be nice to see Vic Fangio. And, you know, when we go live, we miss out on the on the Zoom call, but because we prioritize y'all over being in on that, because then we can just go back and watch it. Um, we can get the quotes and, you know, whatever. But it would be nice to hear Vic Fangio say, I screwed up. He never will. And and the comment is 100% spot on by Naj. He'll, he'll call out everyone and say he's disappointed with this guy or that guy. To pick a bone with Von Miller in her intro press conference, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I'd love for him to come out, like you just said, and say, listen, I was not good enough this year. I have to be better, but we're not going to hear that. We've got one from, if you have it, John, we got one here from uh, Eric Ryan. I can throw it on if we need to. We'll start with Dylan, though. Appreciate that, Dylan Dub. Good to see you, my friend. Appreciate that. Super chat does mean the world to us. Trust. Let me just grab this one, John. Um, Eric Ryan and then Dario and NorCal91 in that order. We don't want to leave anyone out in the cold. I'll grab Eric real quick, and here's what he says. Appreciate you, Eric. He says, they're saying we're getting the ninth pick. Who do we get with Locke at the helm? And if not Locke, what then? Locke looked great to me. Coaching, though? Yeah. So, We've been saying it on this pod, and you know maybe our views will uh, evolve as we get deeper into. Thank you, John, into the off season. But they've invested the Broncos a lot of their recent picks, their premium round picks on offense. Now it's time to swing that pendulum back to the defense, corner, linebacker, safety, D line, maybe even two edge. Edge is a consideration depending on what you end up doing with Von Miller. But it's all, in my opinion, you've got the horses on offense. You just need to de- continue developing them. It's about restocking the shelves on D. Yeah, it has to be an inside linebacker. I, I really wouldn't take an edge guy in the first round, especially if Vaughn's coming back. It's got to be an inside linebacker or more likely a cornerback. It, it's got to be those two positions, Chad. Dario, thank you, my friend. He says, I, for one, am excited with this team. Injuries, the virus, etc. and we were competitive. I would like Locke next year. However, I would take Stafford or another. And I think that's that's – Fair in terms of of uh, the first thing you said. I'm really not in, as you know, on, on Stafford. I want to see Locke one more year. I got one here from Pickle. Ian, again, legit question. How would I become – how would one become an on-screen rep for your brand like you guys are? Starting school for journalism and like what you guys do. How would one become an on-screen rep? 
for your brand? I'm not sure what you mean by that, unless you're just saying, how do I become a podcast host? Uh, but that's a that's a long story, dude. That's There's a lot that goes into that. Holler at us another time when we're not under the gun or, or shoot us an email, milehighhuddle at gmail.com. Uh, NorCal91, love you, bro. If Sternod turns out to be more than decent in coverage and we draft Micah Parsons, what will become of Alexander Johnson? Um, if those two things were to happen, Alexander Johnson will get RFA tender this year, and he'll come back and start to open up 2021. But his, uh, you know, his his days would be numbered as a starter. Do I? Am I the only one who doesn't see Sternod as a long term starter, like a ten year starter? I, I think he can be a nice pinch guy, like a Malik Reed, or maybe a great backup. I just don't see high caliber starting upside in him. I, I hope I'm proven wrong though. Next season, next season. Tom, good to see you. He says, "Come, uh, come, Elway, come on, Elway, trade up, get Parsons." Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you might not have to trade up. You probably will if you want him, but you never know. It just depends on how the quarterback big board sh- shapes up and all that. There's still so much that has to be resolved between now and draft day. We got the senior bowl coming up. Then, you, of course, you got the combine. and A lot changes between now and then. Isaiah, thank you for the stars, hey, brother. Dude. And here's here's this question, John, real quick. Isaiah says, Drew Locke had his first 300-yard game with no turnovers. He won player of the week a couple weeks ago. The announcers even mentioned how he was playing, how he has been playing smarter. That's progress. Indeed, he has shown significant progress, especially since week 11. The problem is the progress he's showing is not Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. So it's not enough to sway the fan base. But if you've watched Drew Locke objectively and you watched him the last handful of games, you've seen the development. You've seen him take steps forward and really not many steps backward. And he took no steps back today. It was a leap forward for Drew Locke. And that's all the Broncos have wanted to see, Chad, a complete game for 17 weeks. They finally got it. They wanted consistency. I think for the most part today, they got it. Carla, thank you for that super chat. Make sure you connect with us on Twitter. Where's the improvement from last year to now? I feel like we're in the same place we were last year. I just don't get it. Uh, There's not a lot of improvement on the macro level. In fact, it's the opposite. On the macro, it's regression because you finished seven and nine one year. Now you're, you know, six and 10. Or is it five and 11? Geez, now I'm, no, it's five five and 11. 11. So you're regressing two games. But on the individual level, you know, there's a lot of explanations that go into that. We can we can crucify Vic, we can crucify Shermer, we can crucify McMahon. All that holds water. But the biggest thing that was that that prevented this team from taking the step forward, Carla, that you were looking for, that we were all looking for, was the injury bug. And you can't lose literally every pro bowler on your roster that you know, or any starter that has pro bowl resume. I mean, season-long injuries and expect to to go toe-to-toe. And it just never ended. It was one after the other. I mean, it was every single game day, someone goes down, the news wire the next day, end of season. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, you can definitely talk about the injuries, talk about the pandemic. We've mentioned these these prefaces like a thousand times this season. But you want to compare records. They have the same record now as 2017, the first year under VJ. So you can make the argument if you wanted to. They haven't progressed from 2017. And what was the reason for that year being so bad? The quarterbacking and the coaching. And that's the same thing this year with the added bonus bonus of injuries in the pandemic. It all adds into that. You're right. We haven't seen an improvement, but it's because of those two things. Until those two areas get solidified, it's going to be the same roller coaster record for the Broncos. Decent one year and bad the next. I got one here from Holden. I'm going to grab and then Jason. Appreciate you, Holden. 
Much love to you. He says, just showing some love on to 2021. Hashtag MHH. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Hashtag playoffs 2021. We love it, dude. We appreciate you. Um, Jason Ingalls jumping in as well. Appreciate that generosity, brother. He says, uh, a better year, gentlemen. Sorry I'm late to the show. Build the defense, linebacker corner, and get the and let the offense build. Fangio was a uh, sure-in after the game timeouts. Still keep up the great work in the offseason, guys. Hashtag state of being. Yeah, man. I mean, those are all points. This is this is everything we've uh, highlighted today, Zach. Yeah, pretty much. It recaps everything. He's still not great with timeouts. He he leaves a lot to be desired as the head coach of the Denver Broncos, as far as I, I'm concerned. Yeah, you got to hope he can show a little development as well. And now I'm looking at this on the back end. We got we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight more to go. Last one being Jorge, and then we have to uh, we have to bounce on out of here. Uh, starting with Seth Harmon, John, um, do you have? I've got the the closest one I have is Aaron. I don't know if you have Seth. If so, I can. If not, I can I can grab him on the back end here. But we are way long. We're gonna we're gonna blast through the uh, ninety minute mark. Jesse, thank you for the super. He says placing an asterisk. Uh, by this season. I'm not mad at it. We'll be back. I understand it. It's there's, I mean, rationally you can explain it and chalk it up to the, to the, to the pandemic and what, you know, ended up causing all the injuries very much a mulligan type thing. If you're of a mind to do that, but it just is extremely inconvenient, Zach, that it comes after four previous years of missing the playoffs. <laughs> that was what I was going to say. It's like, it's tough because the fan base hasn't seen a winning team in, in half a decade now, but it's going to sound like trite. It's going to sound cliche and like we're just pandering, but hang in there until next season with things back to normal, no injuries, and this team reloaded. Uh, Chad and I both have a mind to think they're going to be uh, pretty powerful next season. We want to see the horses healthy, and then and then we'll you know jump to the to the conclusion. Seth, thank you, bro. Who are you guys rooting for in the Super Bowl now? Zach, you got a, a favorite you'd like to see go the dist? I just I want to see Kansas City and Buffalo in the AFC title game. Can we just fast forward to that? And I do think in the NFC it'll be the Packers. I, ultimately, I have Packers and Chiefs in the Super Bowl, but who I'm rooting for, who I want to win is different than who I think will win that game. I think the Chiefs are going to beat the Packers, but I'd like to see Aaron get another ring. I'd like to see LaFleur get a ring in his second season. I mean, the guy is a phenomenal coach, and he's coached a really good uh, year this year. I'll throw a curveball at you. I would like to see Phillip Rivers. Get a ring. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. But that's who I'm going to be emotionally pulling for is the Colts. Are the Colts, I should say. Uh, Duke, appreciate you, bro. Good to see you. He says, yo, fellas, how would you like my draft board? Round one, linebacker. Round two, corner. Round three, linebacker. Round four, corner. (laughs) We definitely feel you, man. We definitely feel you on that. That was funny. Took me a minute to catch on. But, yeah, they have to restock those coverage, Chad. Got to. Uh, Aaron, thank you for that super chat, my brother. He says, Broncos country always. I agree. Let's keep it. Been a huge supporter, and with everything going on, it's kind of messed up. This team needs an offseason. Yep, and they're going to get it, and thank you for that. Really appreciate that. And, you know, you guys have been a beacon for us during all this, you know, up and down, weird, the dark year that was 2020. You guys have been that for us, so uh, appreciate you, Aaron. Yeah, Chad, we've, you know, I tweeted this on New Year's Eve that we've gotten so many comments how we were, you know, we were so helpful to get through 2020 and how bad it was. But Chad and I, we both found comfort and took solace in these pods four nights a week and interacting with you. And you guys helped us as much as we hopefully helped you. So thank you, Aaron, for that. Jordan Johnson in the house. Good to see you, brother. Thank you for that, Super. Hope you had great holidays. 
Happy New Year to you. He says, my prediction, by the way, rocking the football priest hat like a boss, uh, coaching staff comes back and the 2021 draft will be Fangio's chance to build the defense and keep his job. Locke will keep improving. I hope it shakes out that way, brother. I really do. I think that's how it's going to shake out. So, yeah, I think you're right on, Jordan. Jorge, thank you for that super, my friend. He says, until ownership is ironed out, things won't change. No accountability, no progress. Hola from Matamoros, Mexico. Hashtag state of being, dude. Love it. Thank you, Jorge. I, I still don't think ownership, though, was the reason why this season went sour. If they had, again, better coaching, better quarterbacking, no injuries, no pandemic, would have been a different result. Freddie, thank you for that super chat. His comment, though, is I say we draft a corner linebacker with the first pick, trade back into the late first or early second for another corner linebacker, whatever we don't choose with the first pick. Yeah, I think uh, we're on the same page with you on that. But edge could be a sneaky need for this team, depending on what happens with Vaughn, and this is a good class for that from what I'm being told from our draft guys. So we'll continue to analyze that question as we get deeper into the offseason. I don't know. Malik Reed's performance this year kind of assuaged my my worries about the outside linebacker group, even without Vaughn next year. He, it would be a need, but he played, I think, pretty well this year too. I want to see Malik get sacks that are not coverage sacks more often, but same gripe for Chubb this year too. So many of his sacks, he got a lot of pressures. He, right. he was facing the league in pressures before he, you know, again, Sad way to end his Pro Bowl year with a whimper, two two missed games, and you know for Chubb I'm talking, what a bummer. But uh, but both of them a lot of cleanup sacks, and so I want to see, you know, like Vaughn, you beat your man, you turn the corner, you bull rush him, you, whatever it is, you cut inside, you won that matchup. It's not just a hustle motor set. Well, what's impressive for me when they did get sacks or pressure, they're doing that chat without a, a starting defensive line. I mean, all their right. guys in front of them, Purcell and, and Shelby and Gerald Casey, they were out this season. So I think it made it more impressive what they did off the edge. I think we are caught up and we are. So, gang, thank you so much for hanging with us here tonight. This went about 34 by the time we're out of here, 35 minutes long. But, you know, you guys make it blow by for us. And it feels like we've been talking 15, 20 minutes is what it feels like for us. So thanks to each and every one of you. But listen, we're going to be back in the saddle tomorrow night. And instead of it being a traditional aftermath pod, it's going to be analyzing what is said from Broncos HQ tomorrow. We're going to hear from John Elway. I expect we'll probably hear from Vic who will be maybe not literally next to Elway, but figuratively, you know, with zoom next to Elway. And we'll probably hear from Joe Ellis. So Zach, it's going to be a gas. Thanks to each and every one of you for what was a phenomenal 2020 for this podcast and for mile high huddle. From the bottom of our hearts, seriously, thanks to each and every one of you. And Happy New Year. We're looking forward to making uh, 2021 even better than 2020. So thanks to each and every one of you. And Zach, Happy New Year to you, bro. And Happy New Year. We'll talk tomorrow. Sign us off. Yeah, we got a comment by Scott Rinaldi, I think it was. He was asking if we're going to do these pods in the offseason. And Scott, of course, we live for that. That's our most exciting time. We look forward to all these different plans we have with Facebook content and different videos we're doing. So be sure to tune in for that. Enjoy also the national holiday, which is Black Monday, taking place tomorrow. Adam Gase got fired, Chad. So let's point and laugh at the Jets. Let's, let's laugh at their misery to make us feel better. But enjoy tomorrow. Enjoy Black Monday and enjoy uh, Elway's comments and his press. We will recap everything on tomorrow's pod. Until then, and as always, though, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.
Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 